the new Impossible Burger at Burger King. Oh my God! Did, did you, you enjoy see it? my live? I did. I actually, I didn't. I didn't see your live stream. But you, uh, you know, Reed, you 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 can't get so busy that you don't watch my live stream. <laughs> <laughs> you know i i i uh, i'm i make it a point to i can't watch all yours my god the content you push out is like yeah no don't worry, don't worry. i don't expect anyone to watch my content i'm like i, I would rather I, <laughs> I do watch but i can't watch all of it but because you're like my god the content you put out just blows my mind uh but i put out one I, I, yeah, I'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in the podcast because I went to Burger King in Angleton. Mm -hmm. You know, I just was driving to my mother's house, right? Mm -hmm. You know, well, actually not her house. I was going to her senior citizen, um, you know, like uh, her little luau or whatever she was having with uh, karaoke. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, <laughs> 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 senior center. And I thought to myself last, you know, a few days ago, I mean, I thought, man, mother's been wanting me to come out there and sing karaoke, with all of those old people. And I do not want to do it, but I need to just do that. I'm getting ready to leave. So I went over there and I mean, the place was dead. No pun intended, but these people in their 80s. <laughs> There was a lady doing karaoke that was 91. That's amazing. <laughs> anyway, on the way to there, I passed yeah. the Burger King. Yeah. And I thought, today's the day. And I thought, no way it'll be in Angleton. Mm -hmm. I parked my car, went in there, and I saw impossible Whopper signs yeah. everywhere. Nationwide. Nationwide. <laughs> I was blown away I, and I went in there and I just started going live on the spot people were out there you know, <laughs> in there in the, uh, in the in the restaurant you know whole table full of people just eating and I'm talking about how awesome it is that Burger King and Angleton Texas has got the impossible whopper and they oh my god it turned into a thing yeah yeah for anyone because people have been asking me they're like what is this coming out in Seattle and I'm like it's out <laughs> it's out um but yeah, no, it's it's funny. I wanted to talk to you about it. Do you do you know about the the different controversies surrounding Impossible? Well, of course I do. I I I have to know these things. I'm freaking a former cattle rancher. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I it's like yeah. I I mean, I guess I don't I don't know if you want to bring this. I don't even really like talking about this. But it's like because this is. A major thing when I when I put out the video where you know I was doing a taste test with a with a Burger King I was going around giving them out and, and seeing what people thought about them and doing outreach to them and showing them you know slaughterhouse footage from like how cows are killed and um oh, and like you know what I, I showed it to uh, Cisco uh-huh uh-huh oh cool awesome yeah and and you know and I was I was like real scared to put this out because I was like man I know that there's some people who just don't approve of the impossible burger. And, uh, you know, if, if you can just like go into this like real quick, the um, controversy for anyone who doesn't know is that, well, well there, there are a couple things. One, one really quick thing is that um, at Burger King, when you order an, an impossible Whopper, first of all, unless you ask for it to be specifically cooked separately, they will cook it on the same equipment that they cook 
all their other dead animal products on, um, which for one, I don't think is an ethical issue since the point of veganism is to not contribute to things that are hurting animals. And when you buy something, even though it's cooked on the same equipment, you're not paying to hurt animals. I would probably still like, personally, I would ask for it to be cooked separately just because I, I don't really want to eat something that's been cooked on anyways. But it's very, very interesting. That was a very interesting, um, you know, perception because you're absolutely right. You know, when I, whenever I ordered mine, they asked me, I didn't even have to tell them. Okay. They well, that's crazy. That's great. I, I was like, what did you just say? Are you asking me that because of the fact that the burger should not be put on the same, you know, equipment as animal products? She said, yeah, we're supposed to ask you that. Oh, wow. That's great. I was like, I couldn't believe it. It's on my, it's on my life. That's amazing. Yeah, man, this woman that, well, this young lady, uh, young black, black girl had on the impossible thing and the cap, you know, the, the little crown. Man, Angleton is doing so much better than California. Like what's Angleton, going on here? And this girl just lost her dad that morning. She was, she, she was smiling at me and she said, I just want you to know that I, I, I've had the worst day, but you, you made my day. I mean, she was laughing. I mean, the, I, I put her on live, this girl, you That's know, great. with a possible shirt. That's why I said, you've got to see that one, man. That's amazing. You would Wow. <laughs> in Angleton. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, I was in I was in Lakewood, California, which is supposed to be like vegan central over here. And I walk in and I order like I order I took I ordered like six of them because I'm like I'm giving them out. And I I'm know. like <laughs> <laughs> And then I had to go back and ask for crowns. I was like, Do you have crowns? I want the crowns. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I should have taken all those old people crowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have taken every one of them a crown. <laughs> like impossible. It's like amazing. But um <laughs> and done karaoke with the impossible crown eating <laughs> the impossible brother. whopper crowns yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i know i know the, se the second thing that that people are, are are more upset about um which is more important than this is uh the fact that impossible has tested on animals at some point in uh their in their development and um, I like, and I just want, I just want to clarify this because for like, first of all, I think that everyone is entitled to their opinion and everyone should do whatever they want. Second of all, everyone should do their own research and think for themselves. And that's one of, that's one of the main things that I, I have like a thing against is I'm like, I'm like, okay, like we can have our opinions, but we gotta, we gotta do our research and think about it ourselves. Um, so don't even take what I'm going to say for granted. Um, everyone should just think for themselves and absolutely be, be, on, brother. be independent thinkers. Right. But the reason that people are against impossible is because they have tested on animals at some point and they're like, we shouldn't support a company that has tested on animals in order to put out a product that's vegan. I think that's, well, what, what, what do you think? What, what are your two cents? I would love to know. Well, you know, I've been following this whole um, ideology for a couple of years now because yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the, um, one of the tenets and one of the ways that I'd like to uh, turn ranches around is this is a bright eyed idea. I know I've talked to Bruce Friedrich about it at Good Food Institute. Yeah. You know, and I really do think that these big ranches that are 5,000, 10,000 acres that make all this money, you know, this is a bright idea I had before I really understood all the controversy. 
that these could become clean meat facilities or beyond meat factories. I mean, you know, like here, can you imagine a, a 5,000 you know, acre, 10,000 acre Texas cattle ranch going from, you know, beef production to a beyond meat facility? Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or an impossible yep. food facility? I yep. mean, former, you know, multi-generational cattle rancher, eight generations deep, launches first ever Texas former cattle ranch beyond meat production. Yeah, that would be amazing. Ah, well, so, I mean, my bright ideas, you know, I'm, you know, going <laughs> Bruce Friedrich, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and as a result, two years ago, uh, almost two years ago, I joined the Plant-Based Food Association. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was even talking to Miyoko yesterday morning. There's a lot of great things coming down, you know, with because we're having conversations with, you know, real change makers, you know, yeah. in the world. And so yeah. it's really exciting. And this conversation is around what are we going to do with the land on these cattle ranches? Mm -hmm. What are we going to do with these 650 cows mm -hmm. that a rancher wants to let go of and get a business, you know, mm -hmm. by next week? Mm -hmm. you know, what are you going to do with all of that? So, you know, the, the main thing that we've been thinking about regarding the, the Beyond Meat, the burgers or the impossible food is how to get cattle ranchers involved in either growing the types of uh, grains, you know, that it takes to make the Impossible Burger, because as we now see, uh, Beyond Meat and Impossible, are they're going to be in Subway. They're going to be taking over, you know, fast food, yeah. Yeah. which is phenomenal. And so yeah. we better quickly start getting more facilities. And what a great story to yeah. have. Yeah. growing yeah, yeah, yeah. Trees that beyond meat needs yeah. so yeah i've been having this i've been thinking about this for years since it all came out yeah yeah that would be such i'm just i'm just thinking i'm like this that story just makes so much sense doesn't it it's like you're raising cows now you're producing a similar product but has all the benefits doesn't harm animals it's better for the environment and it's better for people's health it's like it, it just makes sense it just yeah. makes sense. I mean, I even went so far, Ryuji, because I was trying to understand, like you said, become an independent thinker. I was, you know, seeing all this controversy around the clean meat, you know, actual meat that's made from a petri dish, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a thing, too, and that's going to yeah. be coming soon. Really mm -hmm. big. It's going to be a big deal whether we freaking like it or not. It's coming. And mm -hmm. so I thought, wow, these cattle ranchers could actually grow the same flesh that they take to a cell barn and slaughter, but no, they never had to own the cow. Mm -hmm. Do you think, do you, do you think that, that it, like, do you think that they would be into that idea? I mean, like, I, I think I have more or less an idea of what, you, what you're going to say, but I think it could be really interesting. Like, because it does seem when we're talking about this, well, you know, if I, if I said something like that, it would be very like, oh, like, what do you know? Like, I, like you know, I, I don't know anything about farm life or being cattle rancher or whatever. But from your perspective, you know, maybe someone like Tommy or someone like, like Richard, even like these farmers, do you think they would be into producing those products? Like say we'd be like, oh, like instead of having cows on your property, now you're going to have like a Beyond Meat factory or like clean meat. Like, do, do you think that that's something that would be actually appealing to them? Because instinctively, when I think about that, it does seem like a big lifestyle shift where 
it's not as involved. Like I, I can see the, how with cattle ranching, there's an aspect of like, you're out there with the cows and it's like, you know, like that kind of thing. And do you think that would really take away from that? Or how, like, how do you think well, people receive that? I know what I, I know what would be awesome is to have a small couple hundred acres where you had, you know, 20 or 30 cows that were just like the ones, you know, the ones that you have on your property if you're going to do a big facility like this. And you actually get to show, you get to take care of the cows, you get to take care of 200 acres, really take care of the land. I mean, again, I'm thinking out loud here because these are the types of questions we have to start solving. And then you can still, on the, on the other 4,800 acres, have your production, production facility with a parking lot. I mean, you could figure this out so that you could still show the juxtaposition of the fact that you can actually get the same ground meat um t-bone steak or I, mean, I think eventually they're even going to have steak i don't think they do yet but they're talking about making clean eat steaks yeah but you know I, this is all in development this is a this is something that rap is committed to not just talking about, thinking about, having conference calls about, this is what we're doing. This is why I was on the phone with Miyoko and other folks on our team, Jody Rash and others, you know, because we are constantly, because I will not let up trying to determine ways in which we can open up the ranchers' hearts, minds, souls, their land into plant-based enterprises. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to, it, it can't necessarily be just growing mushrooms like the Barrett's, because even with the Barrett's, we're talking about taking it from growing mushrooms to also having a product that we can launch that mm -hmm. has the Barrett's story with it. Mm -hmm. so we're thinking about, you know, ways to magnify the the message the financial investment you know uh and so that we can become a more empowered you know movement around plant-based food distribution because you know how you open up a package or you get a package and you'll it'll say on the back this these pretzels were manufactured in a facility that has milk cheese and eggs right or whatever okay how awesome would it be to start creating facilities on these big ranches that are actually for food production and distribution for plant-based food companies. And you know, guaranteed, certified, that none of the equipment was used in that way. Then you're creating another economy, another form of commerce, where vegans now have choices where they get their, their, their plant-based food processed. You know, so if they can use a former cattle ranch or chicken farm or pig farm, that's now a production facility, you know, for breaking down all various kinds of grains, fruits, vegetables for plant-based food products. They're going to choose that one instead. See, we've got to, we've got to not fight. We've got to create solutions. We don't need to fight at animal ag. Animal ag is dying all by itself. You know, it's a virus. And, and, and so as long as people keep feeding it, keep eating it, it's going to perpetuate, just like cancer does. Mm -hmm. But if we start healing and, and stop engaging that and creating a new way or feeding on the land in the right way, the land's feeding us in the right way, we're creating that instead, it'll change. The fighting 
we, it's proven in history, fighting doesn't work. One thing that I, I really wanted to kind of, kind of address going back to our earlier topic sure, uh, sure. of the, the impossible burger and their controversy around like how they test on animals and blah, blah, blah. Um, I just, I just wanted to clarify this because I think it's always important for us to keep our ends in mind and keep into, and, and take into account why we are doing things because I feel like sometimes we lose sight of that. And I know I definitely have in the past as people who are advocates for animals, as people who are vegans, as animal liberation activists, I think it's important that we always keep our minds on the fact that what we are doing ultimately is to help animals. And ultimately what we, like, for example, just take the definition of veganism, the definition of veganism, which we, I, I don't think we should also be bound by definitions and saying that, oh, like this doesn't fit within the definition of this. I think we should look at the point of it. But the point, I should say, of veganism is to not buy things or consume things that intentionally contribute to hurting animals. That's a simple way of putting it. That's the point. The reason that we don't want to buy a burger or cheese or leather shoes is because when we buy those products, we are paying intentionally for something that intentionally exploits and kills animals for its production. That's, that's the entire point. So that's why we say things like vote with your dollar because we don't want to pay for animal abuse. That's, that's the basic idea. Of course, it gets much more complicated than that. Uh, with subsidies and things like that, you can listen to yeah. our second or third podcast of uh, uh, the second or third episode of our podcast if you want to learn more about that. But in the case of the Impossible Burger, from what I understand, they did test on animals in the past, which of course we will never like. We will never say that's okay. That, right. that it's 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 obviously never okay to do that. That being said, when we go into a Burger King today and purchase an Impossible Burger, we are not paying for that research. Right. We are not paying for animals to suffer and die. We are supporting a company that once did that, which of course is, is not ideal. I mean, if I, if I had a choice, I wouldn't do that. Like be, be, besides veganism, we should always strive to make the better choices, or at least that's how I choose to live. So exactly. if, I, if I had the choice to support, you know, like I, I, might, I might make a different choice, but in the case of this, we will not be supporting something that actually exploits animals. Like our dollar wouldn't be going towards animal exploitation by buying uh, an, an impossible burger. And I think that is ultimately the point. And buying an impossible burger seems to me like it's the, it's, it's the same reason why if a company, say a cosmetics company, once used to test on animals, but no longer tests on animals, we buy their products and we call them cruelty-free, even though they did at one point do that, which in all those cases, I can guarantee that they taste, test on animals way more than impossible did where they had it where I think it's like 118 rats that he tested on, which of course, like, again, is, is not okay. That, that, that will never be okay. Yeah. But it's like, it's like the same thing. We have to recognize at a certain point that we don't live in an ideal world. Well, you know we, what, but, but, but what the problem is, the problem, the problem is, is this is the problem. People aren't recognizing it because those people are in a place where they only want to fight and argue and be pure in their mind. And, and, and it, it's, it's a whole form of the superiority, the superiority complex in our movement, because you're more vegan and I'm more vegan and that's not vegan. And you know, all of this, it's like, the real, the real solution is to stop doing that. 
Stop yep. fighting. Yeah, and that's such a great point because, yeah, I, I feel like when we talk about these things and when people try to fight other people, it, it becomes exactly what you said, which is like, oh, I'm more vegan than you or that's not vegan. Like, and it's very easy, especially with social media, you see like a quick thing, like literally you see a meme that says impossible tests on animals, therefore they're not vegan. And then ah. you immediately jump to that conclusion and then you're going to go fight other people who don't think that. And it's like, that's not the point. The point is let's help some animals. The point is let's do what's going to help animals. And do you remember, do you remember Ryuji at the, uh, you were there when I was on that panel with Bruce and Leah yeah. Yeah. and those other people, remember they yeah. were, you know, there's people, the energy around really believing that these entities are like the antichrist is pretty strong. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of messaging around out there with people in our movement that are so, so convinced that that clean meat or beyond meat or all these are hurting the whole idea of us all going vegan. Yep. You know There's, that. Yeah, I, I I know that. And and you know, and you know, and here's the thing, like I'm I'm compl- I'm really open-minded to that point of view. Specifically because I like there are people who I admire who fall more on that side of things or who wouldn't buy an impossible burger. So because, because that's the case, I mean, like for, for me, like I'm always going to do my own research and think independently, yeah. but I'm like, because there are people who think this, like I'm, I'm completely open-minded to that point. I'm actually, I'm, I'm open to being wrong about this. Exactly. Which, which I think we should, we should all always be open to being wrong. That's the whole point of being vegan in the first place is that we were open to being wrong about something. So I think we shouldn't drop that once we're vegan. <laughs> I just open to being damn human. Yeah. Humans change their mind. Humans, you know, if, if, if we're all sitting around just being told what to do, what to think, what, how to vote, what to believe, you know, who to love, uh, you know, what color's good, what color's not, you know, if we, if, you know, that's so freaking crazy that we allow ourselves to be programmed. What, you know, you know, you can eat a lamb's leg, you know, but not a dog's leg. You know, that's all programming. That's all freaking programming and we've got to do our own critical thinking around this because yeah actually yeah you you bring up such a great point because yeah that's that's the whole point that the whole reason that we we're not vegan in the first place is because we've been programmed to believe these things and that we don't think about it critically and i think what this what what veganism really shows is that you can't take anything for granted ever no matter what anyone says you you cannot take that at face value like it Anything could be wrong. Anything could be wrong. And I like, like seriously, it's like this. The, what's the most normal thing in the in the world turns out to be wrong. So I wrong. Know. So that being the case, yeah, it, like anything could be wrong. So we should, I think we should always, like always, always think about that. But right. the reason that I am super open minded to different points of view is actually because I know that there are a lot of people who think, like, for example, when we we're on that panel and people were discussing clean meats and whether or not it was ethical or not, whether or not it would help animals or not. One thing I know for sure is that, or at least one thing that I felt in that moment is that every single person, no matter what their position was, they had the animal's best interest at heart. And so yeah. they thought they were doing what's best for the animals, which is ultimately what, what matters. I think that that panel was very different from people just saying things, throwing statements out on the internet because they saw a meme. Like that's, that's very different. But at the end of the day, I felt like they all had the animal's best interest in mind. And I'm like, oh, like, 
yeah, we're all here trying to do the best for the animals. So I guess it does make sense for us to ask ourselves these questions and, and, and really, and, we and really, all, think about and we all went to eat afterwards and we, and we socialized. I mean, uh, Leah couldn't go, but you know, everyone on that panel for the most part, I mean, are very civil. I mean, there was no fighting about it. It was, it was a debate and it's healthy to have these conversations. Yeah. Cause I guess the underlying question shouldn't be like, the, the, the underlying question shouldn't be like, is this vegan or not? Or is it okay for you to do this? It's more like, hey, let's talk about what is going to help animals more. That's the only relevant question at the end of the day. So let me ask you this then, because see, what we're bringing up here is it's interesting to be talking about these things because you know Harold Brown, right? Do you know who Harold Brown is? No. Uh, Peaceable Kingdom. You okay. Look Peaceable Kingdom, uh, Harold Brown. Uh, you know, he, he was one of my very first uh, mentors and was giving me kind of guidance on the whole idea of the fact that I would be having to make some very critical decisions. I think he actually worked for Farm Sanctuary at one point, long time ago, years ago. And uh, he's, a, he's a, I think he's a former farmer and free from harm, Harold Brown, Peaceable Kingdom, not free from harm, Peaceable Kingdom, Harold Brown. Um, and he, anyway, you know, was really kind of advising me you know, not to make my decisions right now because I was going to be faced with this whole welfare idea and abolitionists. And I had never heard of either. I didn't even know that there, I didn't even know about welfareism. I didn't know about abolitionists. And this was, you know, not even, you know, what, five years ago? Mm -hmm. I went vegan October 31st, 14. So mm -hmm. it was all during that time, first uh, quarter of March that I was, you know, looking at this. And continue to, uh, like you said, to your point, educate myself, you know, really get my own facts, try to understand it. I'm still in a place for the record out there, for anyone that's listening, I still am not totally, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I lean more towards abolition because I, I want animal, I want animal ag to end completely. I do want it, the, I want the animal suffering to end right now. I do want that. But I also oh, am open-minded to some of these, I mean, like, like some abolitionists, if there's a, a, any single issue campaigns, I mean, anybody running a single issue campaign, it's like they totally are against every single one of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, abolitionists, that's what they are. They don't need their help at all. Do you, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? I know, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. So, so this is all, all of these, these topics we're talking about regarding clean meat, regarding beyond all these, you know, whether or not they tested on animals. I mean, we have to be able to critically think, I think, around these two opposites. Yeah. There's welfareism and there's abolition. But is it really healthy to be one or the other? I don't really know because... I'm, I think that it's something that I'm, I'm always I'm always figuring it out right now I don't fall like I definitely don't fall into a category where I'm like oh I should be one or the other but at the same time I'm open-minded to it because if you notice that's actually the exact same thing that people say about veganism they're like oh veganism is extreme and I'm like yeah. no, no it's not so now I, I really got my mind to a place where I'm like I, I should I'll, I'll never think about anything as extreme maybe it will turn out because I noticed that people who vehemently criticize things like pure abolitionism 
sound very much like people who criticize veganism. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that they're right or wrong. It just means that I'll, I'll question it and I'll be, I'll remain open because I know that the people who are pure abolitionists also have the best interest in the animals in mind and I actually completely understand their argument. I, it, seems very, it seems very theoretical and not necessarily rooted in reality for me, but at the same time, there are, for anyone who doesn't know, by the way, the, the quick difference between welfareism and abolitionism is abolitionism is we're saying that animal exploitation should be abolished period, end of story right now, because it's inherently wrong. While welfareism says that, well, we should give animals better treatments, which is not what either of us are advocating. Veganism is inherently an abolitionist standpoint in the sense that we're saying that animal exploitation is wrong, but the debate is more around whether or not welfareist reforms would help along the way of abolishing. Well, I tell you, I tell you one of the things that really bothers me about the welfareist reform is these single issue campaigns. I mean, it does bother me a lot because, you know, I, I just wonder about what's really behind it because there's so much money and power and all mm -hmm. and corporate greed yeah. and all these things. And yeah. so I question their motive, their intention, and whether or not it's really going to benefit us. And so, and, and so I can't, I can't really say that I support any single issue campaign because of it. I just don't criticize. Yeah, I think I think I think that's that's the big thing. It's like f for me, I, like because I fall so much in the camp of like I'm always just thinking about it and and learning more. And at the end of the day, one thing that I realized and one thing that I understand from my current understanding, especially studying. Um, organizations like DXC, DXC, who has a very strategic plan for getting to animal liberation within our generation and right. has extensively studied past social movements and things like that. One thing that I've kind of figured out um, and that I understand now is that, and, and I'm still questioning this, so I don't even know if it's true, but at least what I think now is that we cannot know, it is very difficult to know ultimately whether something will help our movements or not. But also, according to DXC, the way that social change happens is it happens very, very slowly. And then there's a peak where like something happens and then it just all of a sudden changes. And in a way of looking at it, it seems like everything that leads up to there doesn't, it, 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 like at the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't matter as much as we'd like to think it matters. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of like what I, I, that's what I understood from like what, what DXC was saying is that like, they're basically, you know, Wayne said, for example, he said, well, find a voice, find some friends and fight like hell. That's like his whole thing. He's like, just do you, but find community, make some friends and just go all out. And as long as it's nonviolent, DXC will support it. That's actually DXC stand. And you can listen to our episode with Chris Van Breen, the co-founder of DXC, if you want to learn more about that. But uh, that's their stand. And from what I understand, the reason behind, the reasoning behind that is, well, you know, we're just going to build community. And then at some point there's going to be like mass mobilization. And that's when we're going to force change. Um, yeah, you know, Wayne is one of the most brilliant people, you know, I've had conversations with him that have been, they've impacted, uh, impacted me greatly. You know, you heard he's, he's stepping down from leadership, right? He what? In leadership? You heard, heard DXC is, I mean, Wayne is stepping down from leadership. Okay. Well, makes sense. Yeah. Did you hear about it? I, I didn't, no, I, I didn't hear about it, but I, I oh, always knew it happened because yes. DX, yeah, Wayne was always very clear on how he was like, he, he was the founder, but he's yeah. just like one of the, he's just one of the people in the organization. Yeah, I'm so glad I'm, I'm the one to tell you all about. You're just so, you're such a star now, Ryuji, out there in, you know, in, in the world. I mean, you are, you produce so much content. You, it's like, dude, get on DXC and see, you wouldn't believe. 
he made this big announcement, this big blog. I've been in conversations with him about it. Uh, yeah, Almira is the new uh, is the new DXE lead. Oh, amazing! That's amazing. She's September, amazing. As of September first. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense why he's stepping down, and I'm so proud of him. And you know, I'm hoping you know, kind of for selfish reasons now, that maybe we can even get him on our podcast. You know, it's just a just just a, another dude. You know, that just happened to be the founder of DXE. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's, really, that's really how he thinks about himself, too, which is... I know, exactly, exactly. That's how he thinks about himself. You know, <laughs> and it's really, it's really, it's really, um, it's really disheartening that people like him, you know, anybody that's really got a, uh, uh, you know, that's out front in the movement, it's disheartening that the same attitude around whether you're an abolitionist or a welfareist or whether beyond meat or impossible tested on an animal, you know, when they first got there, we, uh, this, this mentality plays out, you know, and also our movement when it comes to who, the people who are leading our movement. You know, Wayne has gotten such a, in my opinion, he's not been allowed to be human. Mm, you know, sure. people, I mean, and that's one of the things is we set up people on pedestals. You know, we set people up in our movement on pedestals thinking, you know, there's some God or something, you know, and, and that's why the hero worship isn't, isn't really healthy. I mean, when people say you're my hero, you know, it's not that, I mean, I gratefully say thank you when people say that, you know, I don't want to say, well, I'm not your hero, but you know, I, I won't do that either. But in my own conscious, when somebody says that to me, I'm very, I'm very uh, subdued and humbled and I take in a different message altogether. And mm -hmm. that, and that is that I am a servant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's that attitude of service that drives me to do things in the world that people look at as being a hero. I mean, come on. Yep. I it's mean, not anything yep. other than service. Yep. Yep. No, it totally, totally makes sense because I mean, because I've had all the people that I looked up to, I was very great. I'm super grateful because the people that I looked up to always sent out the message that hey, we might be ahead of you in certain areas, but you can be like us if you put in the work. And that was always the message. The message yeah. wasn't like, oh, I'm a hero. I'm up here and you're down there. It was always like, hey, I'm ahead of you in certain areas. And hey, let me teach you how to get up here with me. That was always the message. And that's always what I try to tell people. Like when people say like, oh, like I wish I was like you. I'm like, you can be. This is the entire point. <laughs> the entire, you can do whatever you want. Like you can, you can, you can be that. Um, Exactly. Be hang around people. I was talking to somebody not before last. It's going to be at the Dallas conference. You know, I'm speaking yep. out there at the Dallas um, Animal March, Animal Rights March, uh, mm -hmm. August 17th. Mm -hmm. And I was speaking to uh, you know a, a good supporter member of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, mm -hmm. and you know she's kind of like experienced a little bit of uh, being ostracized. I mean, right here in Dallas, she's in Dallas, and she's experiencing some of this back and forth bullshit. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and one of the biggest problems, in my opinion, is just like I always say, Ryuji, about ranchers. Conversations are what change people. Conversations will change ranchers. Conversations with other vegans that are at war with each other is going to change us. We got to be able to have conversations. And when one person imposes on another, tries to make something happen, tries to force, tries to push, the other is going to obviously say, hey, I'm blocking you. Why in the world would anybody want to be dealt with in a, in a, in a hostile manner? 
I, I, you know, I, I've blocked a number of people that have continually come at me that way without, that, that did not want to have a conversation with me. If you don't want to have a conversation, all you want to do is hate. All you want to do is, is push me out or push your agenda on me and, and it's painful. I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage that for very long. Mm-hmm. I will try to have a conversation, but eventually, you know, and that's what, that's what we and our movement need to start doing. We need to start having conversations. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that's a great note to, uh, to end this on. Actually, I, I totally agree. Yeah. The very last thing that I was gonna, I was gonna say is just for anyone wondering, cause I'm like, I guess, I guess this whole conversation could be very confusing. It's like, well, what do I do? What do I think? What do I support? What do I not support? And at the end of the day, I think that the key message is, you know, think about things for yourself and we should, we should never get to a point where we're doing something or not doing something just out of pure, like, I don't do this. We should always be reevaluating. Um, Research. You know, th- yeah. Th- things like, for example, oh, like, like I, people who will never, ever support a single issue campaign or people who will say, oh, I support all forms of activism without thinking I support everyone who's doing something for the animals. It's like, I don't think either of those are healthy. I think we should just, like, I'm not, I guess I'm not against them, but it's like, I think that we should always be thinking about it and always critically evaluating it and always ask the key question, which is, well, is this going to help animals or not? And I don't know. And I'm always learning. So I think that we should always be learning, always growing in that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I think, you know, when I was first going from being a cattle ranch, uh, a vegan, you know, to a vegan, uh, you know, it wasn't hard to find this research. One, one thought led to the next, to the next, to the next. And the research is out there. Be willing to, to do the research, to read, to listen. Private message me or Ryuji. We are both very willing to dialogue with you on social media anytime. I have conversations every day with people and they really mean a lot to me, those conversations. So please, you know, dialogue with us. And, you know, I don't even know Ryuji who the hell we are. I've completely lost track of, you know, who I'm even talking to right now, honestly. Man, that's so crazy. I was, we're like, we're like the, the two something. I don't know. The I don't two, even- the two, the two. <laughs> we're the two, Rowdy! Vegans. Yay! Toot, toot, two rowdy vegans. 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 Toot, two rowdy vegans. One plus one equals two rowdy vegans.